You are listening to the Freedom Fellowship audio podcast from Freedom Fellowship Church in Tontytown, Arkansas. Our mission is to love God, love others, and serve both. And now let's listen in to this week's sermon. We're going to continue in our series on the book of Acts, and we are calling this God's Blueprint for His Church. And so what we're going to look at today is what we've been doing is we've been doing kind of large strides when it comes to the book of Acts. So we're covering whole chapters on a Sunday, which as a teacher, I'm like, oh, no, we got to take our Sunday school just laughed out loud back there. But we it's it's there's so much good stuff in there. Uh, And so what we're going to do is last week, Tom taught on the first 20 verses of chapter 14, when Paul and Barnabas were uh, still on their first missionary journey, um, he had a really, really good message. I encourage you to go back and listen to that if you missed it. But what we're going to do, rather than cover a large swath and kind of push the ball forward a little bit, next week, Coach is going to pick up in chapter 15 of Acts. But what I want to do is I want to kind of slow down just for a second And we're going to cover uh, chapter 14, verses 21 through 28. It's not a whole lot of verses, but again, the, the purpose of today is to look at what our overarching theme for the book of Acts is. That is God's blueprint for his church. And what we're going to be looking at today is discipleship. What is discipleship? How do we... What are practical steps that I can do um, in regards to discipleship? I will say this, and you're going to hear me say this several times this morning. Each and every one of us who have placed saving faith in Christ should be doing two things. Number one, being discipled by someone. The other thing is discipling someone else. Every one of us should be being discipled by someone and then discipling someone else. As you can see, it gets kind of passed down. The wisdom you learn over here will get passed along over here. Why? To make you feel like a big man? No, to give our God glory. Jesus said in Matthew 28, go therefore and make disciples. And disciples, that's where we, the same root word is where we get the word discipline. It takes work to be a disciple and to disciple someone else. It takes time. It's not just a one-time thing where you meet with someone, you know, after church for 20 minutes and be like, okay, you're a disciple. Go. There, there's a little bit of truth to that, but it's, it is a process. When we are being discipled by someone It doesn't have to be someone who is an elder at this church in terms of age. It could be someone younger than you. But we're talking about in terms of spiritual discipleship. Same thing when the person that you disciple may be someone in their 90s. And you may be a young buck. You can still disciple someone. Age does not have any bearing on what it is when it comes to discipleship. So again, you can see up there on the screen, this is God's blueprint for his church. So when we are building a house, we look at the blueprints, that's kind of our reference point to 
to understand how big the house is going to be and, you know, where the, I'm not a construction person, where I guess houses have roofs uh, if you're lucky. But here's the chimney. It's going to be over here. You follow a blueprint. That's exactly what we're going to look at today in terms of discipleship. Again, being a disciple and then discipling someone else. So keeping those two things in mind. Let's go ahead and look at Acts chapter 14, starting in verse number 21. It says, After preaching the good news in Derby and making many disciples, Paul and Barnabas returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch of Pisidia, where they strengthened the believers. They encouraged them to continue in the faith, reminding them that we must suffer many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. Paul and Barnabas also appointed elders in every church. With prayer and fasting, they turned the elders over to the care of the Lord, in whom they had put their trust. Then they traveled back through Pisidia to Pamphylia. They preached the word in Perga, then went down to Italia. Finally, they returned by ship to Antioch of Syria, where their journey had begun. The believers there had entrusted them to the grace of God and to do the work that they had now completed. Upon arriving in Antioch, they called the church together and reported everything God had done through them and how they had opened the door of the faith to the Gentiles too. And they stayed there with the believers a long time. So just in these short verses, we're going to see what a blueprint for discipleship looks like. Now, we read through it, and what we're going to do is we're going to go back and just kind of point out certain things that Paul and Barnabas did that we can look and say, okay, I can do that, or I should be doing that for the person that I disciple, but also the person that's discipling me should be doing these things. So let's go back to the previous slide, to verse 22. And the first thing that they did, it says that they strengthened the believers. Now, again, this is Paul's first missionary journey. He's going to have two more, but this is the very first one. And so what he did was, if you look at it, I'm trying to do it backwards for you guys. He started in Antioch in Syria, and he went out to these different places, started churches, and then came back to them, and that's where this is talking about. Then he came back to Antioch in Syria. On his second missionary journey, he's going to go visit those same churches, but he's going to go a little bit further and then kind of come back to each of these churches on his way back to Antioch or Jerusalem. So that's kind of where we're at. We're at the end of this first missionary journey where he comes back to all of these places, Lystra, Iconium, Antioch of Pisidia, which is in modern-day Turkey. It says where he strengthened the believers. So our first point today is strengthening the believers. They strengthen the believers. And I'm going to have these five points up here. This is a picture of discipleship. Again, this, is our, this should be a checklist for us. When I am discipling someone, I should be doing these things. And also, when you go to get discipled, your discipler should be doing these things for you. Number one, they strengthened the believers. How do we do that? in a practical sense. The first thing is they pointed them to Christ. Talk about him. They remind each other about how far Christ has brought 
them. It could be, we could have come from the absolute worst situation that you can think of, but Christ brought us out of that to stand here in a good spiritual place and then look back. That's part of our testimony and be like, here's where I was, but here's what the Lord is doing with me now. So when you encourage someone, when you strengthen someone, you tell them, here's what the Lord has done for me. Now, in a more, even more practical sense, if I'm finding someone to disciple, what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask them a question. What is the Lord doing in your life? It's not, hey, what are you doing that you're giving God some of the credit for? No, no. What is he doing in your life? Again, we're not making friends. We're making disciples. Do you guys hear that? We're making disciples, not friends. Now, those two can coexist. I'm friends with Dylan. I'm friends with Jesse. Yes, we're friends, but we're also disciples. We are discipling one another. We are friends. That, that will overlap, but you're not going out trying to get somebody to like you and all those kinds. No, when it's a spiritual matter, we need to point people to Christ. And one of those ways, talking about how far the Lord has brought them to where they are now. But you can also talk about his attributes, his nature, not about how the Lord makes us feel. What? What are you talking about? Feelings go up, then go down, up and down, up and down. That's the way our lives emotionally are. We have great days, we have bad days, we have, you know, all of this kind of, our emotions are kind of up and down. Discipleship, what that does, strips away the feelings. Yes, you care about that person that you're discipling, but more importantly, you care about what is the Lord doing in your life. Are you this way with your faith? If so, that's a bad place to be. We want our faith to be ever increasing. You see the difference? Emotions are going to change. Our faith should continue to only increase. So what Paul and Barnabas did there in, in verse 22, and we, we can just keep it on this one right here, is they strengthened the believers. They encouraged them. Our next point, they encouraged them to continue in the faith, also found in verse 22. They encouraged them that, yes, things are going to get bad, but continue to trust in the Lord. See, the storms of this life that we have, and Nate, a, a while back, I guess it's been a while now, did the, the buffalo run into the storm? Do you guys remember that message? They don't run from it. They are designed to run into the storm. The storms of this life will beat us down. A lot of pulpits say, no, no, just trust God. Everything's going to be okay. Yes, that is true. But the fact is that you cannot change the storm. The storm is approaching. The storm is here or the storm has already passed. It's one of those three options for each of us. These storms can beat us down emotionally and spiritually. And here's something my younger brother, who was actually my very first, the one who discipled me, my younger brother, was he used to say, Christianity isn't always going to be easy. I'm like, well, what? Then why be a Christian? What? Huh? I didn't understand that at the time. But it's ignorance is bliss sometimes when it comes to dealing with things before you are a believer. 
But Christianity won't always be easy. And there are some pulpits that are out there that nothing bad will ever happen to you. Just pray that stuff away and God will just clear that path like a roadblock and you just walk unaffected completely because life storms, those are only from the devil, not from the Lord. Well, good luck with that message. Stuff happens to each and every one of us. Storms in this life are going to come. The point is to trust God. A way to encourage people to continue in the faith. Again, place yourself in this message. When I am, ask yourself this question, when I am discipling someone, what can I tell them? You can do what verse 22 says. Encourage them to continue in the faith. Continue to trust God. We don't get through life with God by our side. Like that old bumper sticker, God is my co-pilot. Have y'all seen those? If that's your motto, switch seats. Switch seats. God is not your co-pilot. We are his navigator. I just saw Top Gun, by the way. We are his navigator. Complete and total submission to him is how we get through life. We want to follow his will, not our own, because we are going to mess it up every time because of our own sinfulness. What we have to do is we have to relinquish trust in ourselves, relinquish it, and put that trust into him. I heard a quote about faith recently it said god isn't at, god isn't asking you to figure it all out he's asking you to trust that he already has i want to say that one again you guys are asleep woo man for a 4th of july ready to shoot fireworks man you heard a church mouse back there that's bad god isn't asking you to figure it all out he is asking you to trust that he already has Again, that bumper sticker, if God truly is your co-pilot, you have figured it out. You're just trying to get God to come along with what you decided, right? That's why I say, switch seats. God is the one in charge. Okay, the next point is they trusted. Paul and Barnabas, they trusted. And verse 23 is talking about they appointed elders in every church, but they also Turn the elders over to the care of the Lord in whom they put their trust. They trusted God to lead these elders in all of these churches. Iconium, Lystra, Derby, uh, Antioch, and Pisidia, all of these different places. They appointed elders in these churches. They trusted, they put their trust into the Lord, saying, Lord, I am setting these people apart, these men, these godly men that there are uh, requirements for that we are trusting that they are in your care. Now, the thing about trust, trust is not easily earned, but it can be easily broken. Has anyone here ever had someone break their trust? Just me? Okay. All right. A few people. The rest of you, you guys are awesome. I need to learn from you. Trust can be easily broken. 
But here's the thing. Most of our trust is conditional. Meaning, the elders of this church and you as a congregation, trust me up here. But if I start renting out the back and having disco parties and all that kind of stuff, I will have broken your trust. That trust is conditional. You trust me until I start having a discotheque back there, right? Which Dennis and Janie would be there, but that'd be okay. But do you see my point is I will trust you up to a certain point. When it comes to spiritual trust, when we trust in the Lord, again, when we relinquish that trust from ourselves, we put that trust into God. We know that God will never fail. We just sang a song about that. The same God who never fails. He never fails. We do. So when we put our trust into them, that's exactly what Paul and Barnabas did, is they trusted that these elders were in the care of the Lord. Now, again, why are we talking about this when it comes to discipleship? That person that we are discipling over here, we should do the same thing. We trust them, entrust them to the Lord. Are they going to mess up? Yes. So are we. The person that is discipling us over here is going to mess up. But that, that trust is not broken there because of the Lord. It is broken because of our stuff, our mess, our mistakes cause that trust to be broken. But that trust to the Lord should not ever be shaken. Now, what's interesting about this is kind of skipping ahead, and I'm just going to summarize. But in Acts chapter 20, Paul goes to the elders at the church at Ephesus. He gathers them together. And what he says is, is very, very telling about human nature. Paul gathers these elders, these godly men that have been put aside, who have been entrusted to the Lord. He gets them together. He says, I'm about to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to be arrested. I'm going to be beaten. All of this kind of stuff. He said, but I need to warn you, you elders, not you scumbags of the church, you elders, I need to warn you from among you, among you that we have entrusted to the Lord, you are going to heap up disciples after yourselves. You are inwardly ravenous wolves, and I'm paraphrasing. You are going to take and steal disciples for your own glory. Now, that's the same thing. Paul and Barnabas entrusted these elders to the Lord. Yet, they are going to go and do that kind of stuff. And by the time we get to chapter 20, we'll talk about that. But that just shows how good our God is, how we can trust him, but understand that the, the, the fallibility of mankind, that means we are prone to error, but that shouldn't shake our faith over here. Is that making sense? That we can trust human beings to a certain point, but understand if we are not living for the Lord, we are prone to error and big error like we see in Acts chapter 20. 
that these elders, these overseers, these shepherds of the people rise up and, and get jealous inside and start to take away disciples and say, no, 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 don't follow the Lord, follow me. Those are elders of the church that are going to do that. That was Paul's warning. Life will burn us sometimes, but God still says to trust him. So let me, let me go back through these points real quick. In talking about a picture of discipleship in Acts 14, we see that Paul and Barnabas, they strengthened the believers. They encouraged them. They entrusted, that should be E-N, trusted them to the Lord. But there's, there's two other things that, that they do that I think are very, very important for us to follow. This Again, this should be our blueprint right here when we are discipling someone else. And when we are being discipled, these kinds of things should come up every time that we talk, every time that we meet, whether it's through text message or, or phone calls or meeting in person for coffee or lunch or, or whatever. These things should be kind of a staple in discipling. The next thing they did in verse number 27 is they gave a good report. In other words, testimony. Hey, check out what the Lord did. Oh my gosh, you are not going to believe this. Look at all of this cool stuff that he is doing. Now, what they had done is they had shared what God had done in verse 27, not them. Now, you may be thinking, okay, that's kind of weird. If I'm Paul, I could say things like, oh man, I was almost stoned to death. I was this close to dying. Yet I woke up and walked out of that town and went to the next one. Look what I did. Or I healed this crippled man. I went boom and he stood up and went about his day. I did that. Or better yet, I converted a governor, a Roman governor, as we talked about in Acts 13, Sergius Paulus, I converted him up top. That's what Paul could have been doing. But what did he do? Verse 27 says that they shared what the Lord had done through them. They shared that with the people. That itself is an encouragement of, oh my gosh, the Lord saved a Roman governor, a proconsul. Ooh, man, God is awesome. Not Paul is awesome. God is awesome for doing that. It's meant to be an encouragement, but also in the framework of discipleship, discipling, encouraging that person. Now, let's, let's kind of follow the, the chain. I keep doing this because I'm a visual person. Over here, this is the person that you are discipling. Picture whoever that is right here. And then here's you, and then here's the person that is discipling you. So you hear something awesome that is going on in this person's life of the Lord just broke me free from whatever. They tell you, boom, that's an encouragement to you. Whoa, praise God, that is awesome. Then what you're going to do is you're going to tell this person that is discipling you, hey, this person that I was talking to, the Lord is doing this. Oh, awesome, 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 praise God. It is a chain of events that happens when the Lord is doing great things. You should be telling everyone about it. 
doesn't have to be the big flashy, you know, things of, of whatever that may look like in your life. The fact that I woke up and have breath in my lungs, praise God. Ooh, you woke up today too? Praise God. Hey, you woke up too? Praise God. God is worthy of all of this praise. It is an encouragement. It is discipleship. It is helping the chain go so that we can praise God together. Amen? I feel like I'm losing you guys. You keep kind of slinking back into those chairs thinking about hot dogs. It's all right. The last point, maybe I just had an extra cup of coffee. I don't know. The last point that we're going to look at here this morning is found in verse number 28. Again, this is very, very important. They fellowshiped together. It says that they stayed with them a long time. It's not just a drive-by with a billboard. Hey, here's what the Lord has done. You guys good? Okay, we'll see you and go to the next town. They stayed together. They fellowshiped together. Now, this can be a good thing or a bad thing. There's an old saying, if you lie with the dogs... You're going to get fleas. If you lie with the dogs, you're going to get fleas. In terms of discipleship, we're told to be equally yoked. And Tom had a really good visual of the two oxen with the yoke and then the ox and the donkey kind of thing. That was unequally yoked. But to be equally yoked in terms of discipleship, which again overlaps with friendship, we are to be equally yoked. Does that mean that we can be, un- be, be friends with unbelievers? Yep. Can we have family members that are unbelievers? Yep. If not, who are we witnessing to, Right? When my parents, well, when my family came up here a couple weeks ago, we were out on the boat fishing, and Nate Middleton called me. And so he was, we were talking about something, and so I hung up with him when we were done. And my nephew, he's five, about to be six, uh, he said, who was that? I said, oh, that's my buddy Nate. He's like, what's a buddy? I said, oh, he's a friend. He's, you know. All that He said, okay, is there a difference between a buddy and a friend? And I started thinking about that. I'm like, well, yes, actually, there is. A friend is someone who will help you out of the trench when you get stuck in the trench. A friend will help you out of that. A true friend and a disciple, a brother or sister in Christ, will get in the trench with you and make sure you get out. Does that make sense? There's a difference there. Both have your best intentions in mind. But a true friend, that disciple, will get in the trench with you and help you out. Have people in your life that will do that with you and for you. So again, when we talk about lying with the dogs and getting fleas and all of that, If you have people in your life, and I'm not saying get rid of any, don't. But your close friends, the ones that you call first, if they are unbelievers, they are not going to understand spiritually what you're going through. 
That's not because they're a bad person or anything like that. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, they are blinded to the spiritual truth. They don't understand it on a spiritual level. That's not, again, because they're a bad person. They just don't understand it. Those blinders have not come off. Spiritual matters are a lot more important than we think and we need, we need as a church, a church of Jesus Christ, not just Freedom Fellowship, we need to start taking these spiritual matters more seriously. We need to be able to empathize with others that when we see, if Dennis were to call me and say, hey, I'm struggling with this, it's not for gossip, oh man, Dennis, oh, you know, he's not that good of a Christian. No, it's understanding that there is a spiritual need in us as disciples meeting that spiritual need and lifting them up out of the trench, not just tossing them a rope, but truly helping them out because spiritual matters are extremely important. We all want help when we get into trouble. We don't always ask for it, but we need it. We need that help sometimes. If we have casual friends, it's going to be hard to call them, especially if they don't understand spiritually what we're going through. But if you have a disciple or someone who is discipling you, that you can call and say, I am truly struggling with this right here, they will more chances than not drop everything to help you at that moment. Because it is that imperative that spiritual matters are so important in our lives that we need to be able to ask for help when it comes to spiritual matters, but also be willing to help those who are in a spiritual crisis. A disciple also knows the weight of spiritual matters and what they do to us and how they impact us. Now, there we are talking about emotions again, that if I talk to somebody this Sunday morning and I can tell something's not right in their face, that their, their countenance is a little bit different, you can tell spiritually, okay, let me go at least investigate. Don't assume anything. Maybe just you stubbed your toe on the way in. That happens. Happened to me. It may be something that simple, but we want to take the time and talk to them. Once you start to kind of talk to somebody for a little bit, and when you hear what's coming out of their mouth, you're going to be able to pinpoint really quickly, is this a spiritual matter that they're struggling with? If so, stop and pray with them right then and there. It can be in the middle of the grocery store. It could be in the middle of whatever. Spiritual matters are very, very important. And for us as disciples, we should have that outlook, that we should be willing to help people like that, to help those that we are discipling, but also those who are discipling us. We are called to be that Titus 2 man and that Titus 2 woman. That is to make ourselves an example to the younger generation. We are to do that. Does that mean to be perfect? No, it does not. If so, count me out. Scratch my name off that list because I'm not. But we are to be able to do that, to share this wisdom with others, to disciple people. And I encourage you, disciple someone in this church. 
This is our local church body. This is not my local church body. This is not Jesse's local church body. This is our local church body. These people, yes, they're friends. They are fellow church members. They are members of the body of Christ, but they are disciples. All of us need to be discipled. All of us do. I don't care how old you are, how many years you've been a Christian, you need to be discipled. And you should be discipling someone else. Maybe think, okay, well, I'm a baby Christian. You, whoa, you can't put that kind of stuff on me. Yes, I can. Discipleship works both ways. You can also do it not just here at this church, but at your workplace or in your neighborhood. But don't forget, we need to be discipled. We need to be discipled. And when we do get discipled, and when we disciple someone else, don't reinvent the wheel. Don't try to think of some wacky new way to disciple. Look to the Word of God. This right here, this is, these are not my opinions up there. That's why I put the verses out there. This is from the book of Acts, God's blueprint for his church. This is what we see. These five steps right here from these couple of verses in this passage, we see what discipleship looks like. We look to the word of God to see how we can put that into practice. Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. Lord, we thank you for your word that shows us step by step how Paul and Barnabas discipled the early church. And Father, we don't want to reinvent the wheel. We want to look to your word to help us learn how to disciple others. And so, Lord, I just ask that that your Holy Spirit just convict us where we need to be convicted, lead us where we need to be led, and teach us what we need to be taught in regards to discipleship. Father, I thank you for this wonderful church body, this church family that we have here, because we have a heart to help point people to you with everyone that we come in contact with. And Father, I just ask that, that your Holy Spirit just just Get us where we need to go in terms of discipleship. If we're not where we want to be or where you want us to be, that's okay. Help us to get there. Get us out of our comfort zone when it comes to this. That we can talk to someone and just say, hey, can we grab a cup of coffee sometime and talk about discipleship? Talk about the things of God, the, the ways that, the, that God is moving in each of our lives. And Father, we want to give you all the praise and glory because you are always worthy of it. Lord, we say thank you for this. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to the Freedom Fellowship audio podcast. We are located at 990 West Henry de Tonti Boulevard in Tontytown, Arkansas. You can check us out on the web at freedomfellowship.com or you can find us on social media by searching Freedom Fellowship NWA. We hope you have a great week and that you live out the mission of the church, which is to love God, love others, and serve both.